Why is my battery running low? I have. Hold on, let me just check something. Sure. What about now? Oh yeah. Oh, it was my damn firewall that closed my microphone. <laughs> we should be good to go. Yeah. Just uh, I just figured out a, a computer problem that has been going on for weeks that I could figure out. Is uh, I kept getting messages every time I restart my computer that my BIOS I get BIOS messages that I was using the wrong AC adapter, oh, and really? I was just. That I, I plugged in, and it's it's an Alienware, you know, like production laptop for live events. And I just <laughs> I just realized when it said battery low that the power supply, I guess my cat pulled the power supply half out, so it was kind of charging. <laughs> so, well, problem solved. That works now. That was easy. Hey, peoples! On past episodes, we've talked about all sorts of stuff. We've covered live shows, festivals, corporate events, television, theater, you name it. But this time, we're talking about a different kind of show. And to tell you the truth, I'm really stepping out of my comfort zone here. And we're back in Montreal to talk with an old friend, Manny Elefteriu, also known as Crazy Fucking Manny. He's the owner and one of the founding members of IWS, that's International Wrestling Syndicate. Manny is not only a wrestling pro, but also the producer and main tech guy behind IWS events. And that's ever since its foundation in 1998. Jeez, that was last century. Man, are we getting old. So, once again, if you like the Backstage Cowboys podcast, please tell all your friends about it and share it on social media. If you don't like the podcast, I don't want to hear about it. The Backstage Cowboys podcast is brought to you by AVL Media Group and Avolites, who make the best lighting consoles in the world. If you live in Canada, you now have access to the Avolites Academy online learning platform. The cost is $229, and that includes an editor AvoKey delivered directly to your door. Head on over to BackstageCowboys.com and click on the Avolites Academy logo to get all the details. Now, if you don't live in Canada, well... That means you're in another country. So if you're in the United States, head on over to avolites.us. Anywhere else in the world, just go directly to avolites.com and you'll find all the resources available in your country. And now, let's get on with the show. Here is another episode of the Backstage Cowboys podcast. Dude, let's have the tune. Man, first of all, I, I want to say I'm I'm so glad that I have this excuse to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. And, and uh, at the same time, I, I gave me the occasion to uh, uh, to look up, uh, look you up and and uh, go back through everything you've done. Like I'm I'm a bit out of my comfort zone here. I mean. You know, you're in the wrestling world, and I'm obviously in the technical world, and and our uh, we crossed uh, we crossed paths at some point because you were looking for a solution to light up a a wrestling ring. Yeah, that's it. 
Yeah, well, I mean, the technical, like what we do, we're in the wrestling world, but I mean, I run the company. So the technical part is a huge, huge part. So it's, I mean, the technical part is a huge part of my life now because, you know, yeah, I get in the ring and I wrestle sometimes, but I'm responsible for the entire show. And if you don't know what you're doing as the promoter and producer of a show and you got to rely on text for everything, like you don't know how to do stuff yourself, it gets pretty expensive and it's, it's impossible to, to, to earn a living with this. So, yeah, it uh, that's why we cross paths. And it's kind of like we both kind of have the same job. Like I'm you're like a master at it. And I know like how to turn them on. Like you can operate a Midas, uh, not a mic, excuse me. You can operate a Grand MA2. You can program a Grand MA2. I can operate it once it's programmed. So that's like that's the skill level, the difference in the skill levels. Well, that was my skill level at one time. <laughs> but hey, um, so why don't you tell me a bit uh, about wh- what you're doing now? Uh, I mean, all, all this, uh, the, uh, I mean, you, you have a hell of a history in wrestling. Uh, I looked it up. You're on Wikipedia. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, tell me, yeah. tell, tell me about yourself. What is it exactly that you do? Okay, so about... 23 years ago, I was watching wrestling with a bunch of friends. We were watching the WWE pay-per-view. And uh, back then, it was the WWF. And uh, I made a bet with my friends that I could be a pro wrestler in a year. And they were like, that's never going to happen. That's impossible. We were just a bunch of guys that were drunk, you know, making jokes. And uh, they remembered, and they pushed me to do it. So I did it. Within a year, I was a wrestler. But the big, big issue was that in Quebec, Pro wrestling was very, very, uh, like, it was very church basement. Like, pro wrestling events would be held in church basements, in uh, community centers, stuff like that. There was no lighting. There was no entrances. It was very, uh, I wouldn't say trashy, but it was very, like, low, low budget. And uh, I had always been a fan of the tech world. I, you know, I worked on a lot of events when I was younger, Uh and uh, I was a big fan of concerts. So I was like, well, we want to do something better. So I tried to get trained by all the local feds in Montreal. They refused to train me because they didn't like, well, they didn't like the fact that I was English. That was the main thing because it was all a very Quebecois thing. And uh, they refused to do it. So we decided to start our own company. And we built a makeshift ring in this bar uh, for the first couple of shows. And uh, I remember we were, we were the first independent wrestling company to have a, uh, our show while while our show was happening, it was also playing on the TVs in the bar, and it was all done with RCA cables and splitters, like long RCA. Like that was, you know, we're talking we're talking 1999. So uh, and now, you know, 20 uh, 23 years later, you know, we have three television shows. Uh, you know, we own our own production. You know, full TV multicam production suite, full audio suite. You know, we can, you know, I can film a TV show. I can walk into the other room and start filming a TV show, a multi-cam TV show. We have our shows at MTELUS in Montreal. You know, we use LED video walls now. We use, you know, the top lighting and everything like that. And uh, especially with COVID, being able, because we own so much of our own gear, being able to run right away as soon as we got permission. Uh, I mean, we did, uh, when they let shows start back up in September, we did four shows in a row at MTELUS in 11 weeks, and we sold out all four. You know, the only person that beat us was Char- Charlotte Cardin, who sold out 13 of them. 
<laughs> but I mean, that's over a year and we're over 11 weeks. So, you know, we, we become a big, big company, you know, and like I, I said Midas before, because I just, I sold our X32 because it was too big and it was for our, for our, cause we use it to like the crowd and our TV audio. It was too big. And I'm, I bought a, a Midas M32R today, the live version, the smaller, more compact one. So it's like, you know, I have every band or every cameraman's dream kit at our disposal. And uh, it all started with a makeshift ring on Jim Matt's in Wally's Pub in downtown Montreal. And and make it to what you... Are you doing this for full-time now? Uh, I was. I was doing it full-time because we also own our own gym with a pro wrestling school in it. And uh, I was doing it full-time. Unfortunately, with the pandemic, you know, uh, profitable businesses turned into giant debts. So I started working. I started working in a bar. Uh, I was working in security in a bar. Then they closed the bars. So I ended up, I'm actually working in the warehouse of our main sponsor, Prohibition, like the, the entire chain. I'm working in their warehouse, helping them out full time just because, you know, I need money to pay bills to, you know, pay for, you know, insurance and, and our gym rent and this and that. Uh, so I'm doing that. But when shows start back up again, you know, I, I figure after six months, we'll be able to clear the debts that have accumulated over the pandemic. And I can go back to just doing this full time, you know, so it, it was weird at the beginning of the pandemic when I thought it was going to be two or three months, that's it. And then everything was going back to normal. You know, I took all our savings and I went, I bought gear because, you know, all the touring companies stopped touring. Everybody, everything went for sale. So I bought, I bought Sony FS7 cameras. I bought lighting, you know, I bought, I bought everything. I, everything I was renting then, you know, 9, 12, 15, 18 months later, you know, we're going on two years now. I was kind of like, well, yeah, I bought all this gear and, you know, we got to use it for four shows. And uh, <laughs> so, but I mean, that's, I mean, you're in the same business. So, so hopefully, hopefully this is done. Hopefully this is ending soon. Well, I, I trust it is. I mean, at some point, you know, the way I see it, within a month, everybody's going to have caught COVID. Yeah, that's it. So and, you know, maybe that's the solution. I, I think Pfizer announcing that they're releasing the COVID pill in Canada, kind of, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like the, the morning after pill type thing. I think that's going to be like, that's going to be the game. You know, no matter what you believe, you know, about this whole pandemic and everything like that, I think that's going to be the game changer where they say, okay, we don't have to push vaccines on people. We don't have to this. We don't have to that. We can finally open up. And if someone gets sick, they can get this, you know, so it's a shame because, you know, uh, show business, especially in Montreal, like a lot of people took some serious, serious beatings, you know, and the club scene, you know, like uh, the club scene, the venue scene, you know, imagine the rent they're paying for club soda around Telus. You know, it's it's not a, you know, it's 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 a big, big beating that a lot of people took. And, you know, we just, we just want to get back to normal and start putting on events again. You know, and, you know, so many texts have changed lines of work because, you know, the, after two years, what are you going to do? You know, well, that, that's so, a big problem. That's yeah. a big problem. And uh, yeah, we we have to work hard on training because a lot of uh, a lot of experienced techs have permanently moved on to something else now. Yeah, and and the it. thing is, like, you know, we've never had a life and all of a sudden you get this regular job where you have your evenings, you have your weekends, you can see your family and all that. And you, and you get to live 
And, yeah. and some people just say, well, this is it. I mean, I'm, I'm done with touring. I'm done with, you know, working nights, weekends, loading trucks at 4 a.m. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's uh, it, when you're used to a certain lifestyle and you have such a drastic change, you know, uh, some people hate it. Some people say, well, this is this is it. This is better. You know, there's many times where I tell myself, I'm like, man, I could sell all this gear. I literally just retire. You know, I could I could sell it all, put it in the bank, take off, go to Greece or something, live the rest of my life happy at 40. You know, I'm going to be 46 at 46 years old, live my life happy. And that's it. It's over. But at the same time, because it's my company, because I started, because it's taken off so much. And because just before the pandemic, we were on the verge of a major, major worldwide television deal that would have been, you know, that was paying and it would have been really good. I told myself, I'm like, you know, you can't, you can't leave this unfinished. So hopefully, uh, within a month or two, like you said, we're back to normal. I know, I know a lot of events are being booked for April. So, and I just got called and asked if I wanted to keep my March 12th until his date. So I have a feeling we'll be back by March. No, that's cool. That's a live event you're talking about, right? Yeah, live events, yeah. Okay. And, and you say you, you have uh, three TV shows? Yeah, we have, a, we have a new one that's coming out on, uh, on Fight Network that we're shooting right now. It's called Hardcore History, which is basically a watch-along. Wrestlers who were in a match will watch this old match they had together. and talk. It's like a split-screen, kind of like what we're doing now, of picture-in-picture. And they'll talk about the matches that happens. And people really get a kick out of that. I actually made it originally for YouTube myself at the beginning of the pandemic because we were looking for content. So I did it in our gym. You know, and I had a tablet on a little cheap Amazon tri- tripod showing them the match at the bottom. And then I would just go and premiere and split screen it and, you know, get the timing right and everything. And uh, I took it a couple, about a month ago, I took that episode, one of the first episodes. I re-edited it and, uh, you know, all in-house. And I sent, it to, I sent it to Fight Network, which hosts our other TV show, which is live pro wrestling, IWS Bloodstream. And uh, I said, hey, I've got this show. I want to reshoot it similar to this. And they were like, yeah, we're, we're in. And we had our French television show. That's our third TV show, which is on pause. Uh, we don't know if it's going to come back because Bell Media got hit hard by the pandemic. Mm. So we were on RDS for about five years. They gave us our start in TV. Uh, ironically, I didn't want to, they didn't want to train me to be a pro wrestler because I was English. But I was, the only, I was the only promoter and pro wrestler who got the French TV deal in the history of <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a little uh, victory for me, but uh, yeah, it it we have that show. Hopefully, it comes back. We have another one I can't talk about because of an NDA, but there's one major one that was signed before the pandemic. Then it uh, it's a it's a television network, but it's their digital platform, which is even bigger than the actual network. Uh, it it then it, they only wanted recent stuff, so it couldn't happen during the pandemic. Then when we ended and started having shows again in December, before all this shit happened again, they re-signed us to do it again on their digital platform, which was even bigger than the original deal. And uh, it's set in stone, but everything got shut down. And, you know, we're hoping, we're hoping it's still happening. It seems like it's still happening. But if that happens, that's going to be like the game changer. So, wow. you know, that's what, that's what we're all waiting for. You know. Um. I'd like you to tell me a bit about your beginnings. 
I mean, I've I've read some stuff while you were wrestling. You had the uh, you, you had this character, right? You had the yeah. I had the I had the, the original promo was uh, it was the funniest promo. We didn't we didn't know anything at the time. We just wanted to be wrestlers, and we felt spited when we were young because these guys were telling us, "No, you can't do this. You're not good enough. We don't want to train you." And we were like, you know, like fuck them. Who are they to say what we can and can't do? So when we started our own company, you know, we had these little characters. My character was PCB Crazy. I was like the homeless junkie that you see in a Montreal alley. You know, <laughs> it was actually, you probably know this guy. I'm sure you know him. He's a technician. He's been working for years. The character was based off him. I don't know if you remember Ben Bass. Yeah. He was, yeah, Ben. It was based off him because I knew him and he was a, and I remember he used to show, like when we would have shows. We'd show up at the venue and he'd be sleeping in the alley from partying the night before, you know, <laughs> and he'd be sleeping behind the venue with his bag, his tool bag. You know what I mean? So like the character was based on him. It was, it was kind of like a joke, but people loved it. So I, I just started going with it and it just grew and grew and grew and grew. And I still wrestle. I haven't wrestled since the pandemic. Uh, I didn't wrestle at any of the four shows that we had when, when we came back just because I wanted to make sure I remembered how to put on a live show. You know, I didn't want to mm-hmm. have to worry about a match. And uh, I probably, if our March 12th event does happen, I'll probably have my last match if we're allowed to have a full capacity show. Because now it's when, when you get when you get to that level where you know you're shooting, you're you're, you're producing a live show at MTELUS with all the bells and whistles, and at the same time you have a separate regime where you're do where you're multicam switch live switching this for television as well as the audio. There's, there's a lot at play. you got two teams of techs that you're working with, you know, and there's a lot at play, and it's hard to plan a match and think about a match, especially when we do the very hardcore matches. It's hard to, 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 to have that on your mind and do your job as the promoter of the event. So, you know, it's, it's – and if something goes wrong and you're back – you know, you can't sit backstage with a headset on while trying to plan a match. It's just impossible. You have to be at the regime. So I have someone who helps me who does it and we take turns, but uh, like this March, if March happens at full capacity, it'll be the last one uh, for me in the ring. And uh, then I'll just, I'll just focus on the live, on the live promoting. Cause we're also, we're moving to, we're trying to move to live television. So we were, we were literally about to do that in January. We were supposed to run the first live TV test, like on TV of one of our shows. So we bought it. We bought a new encoder, with uh, that, that does SRT, and I don't know if you're familiar with SRT. It's a like it used to be RTMP to do television. Yeah. Send it through the web. Now they have SRT, which compresses it even more, so you need you don't need that big a connection. So we bought a five thousand dollar encoder, which uh, we tested in December. It worked, and you know we got ready to, you know, make our money back in January, but the show got postponed. So hopefully we'll see. Right now I have so many postponed shows. I don't. I don't. Even- <laughs> Yeah, and and you so you plan to do one last match, to yeah, to, to like fight. To, yeah, I'd like to do one last match in the ring. You know, just yeah, it's. I feel like before the pandemic, the show, the show, the show before the pandemic, I was in the ring. I had a match. It was amazing, and you know, it was really good. But it just, it didn't make sense letting it go there. Like if I if I want to have, I want to go all out. And I just want to say goodbye to the fans and thank them. You know, I've been doing this for 23 years. So I'm like, yeah, I owe it to them. I owe it to myself. I owe myself that moment too, you know, yeah. to be able to stand in front of it. And I, I, I don't want it to be in a small venue where I was wrestling with three, 400 people. I want it to be in front of 2,000 people that I'm telling us, you know, 
And I told myself, if I ever do come back, it'll be for one match at the Bell Center. You know, that's my, that's my <laughs> Why you not? Know? Yeah, that's it. Well, you know, which brings on this, uh, this question, 23 years of wrestling. You're uh, 47, you say? 46. I'm going to be 46. 46. Okay. How's your physical con- con- condition? I mean, I- oh, I'm, uh, I'm actually in the best shape of my life right now. It's, uh, I diet, I train. I mean, we own a gym, so I train. I, uh, I train every day, even with the pandemic. You know, I have the most expensive gym membership known to man right now because I'm the only person that's allowed in the building. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, uh, I work like uh, at my day job. I walk the equivalent of eight miles a day. So, because uh, I'm in a warehouse, so it, ke- it keeps me fit and like. Injury wise, I've, you know, rest, wrestling is an illusion. Like I do some very extreme, crazy stuff in the ring, but the thing is, I it's I'm kind of like a stuntman. I know how to properly do it mm. to take the least risk, you know. And I also know, you know, like what a lot of people don't notice is, I'm like a band that's on tour. I'm putting on every time I do a match, even though it looks different, it's the same match. Mm. I'm literally doing that. I've been doing the same thing for 20 years. Yo, I change this around. I do that. But everybody thinks, oh, my God, he killed it. I couldn't believe the stuff he did. But if you really sit down and watch it and you watch the ones in the back, okay, he did every every move. He did that. He did, like It's all the same. So, you know, it's it's an art form. It's like, it's like being a band, being on tour. It's like, you know, it's like uh, – it's like programming a lighting board, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, you have different chases, but all the cues are the same. So, you know, mm. it's uh it's it's a crazy world. Well, I remember being on a on an event once where uh you had uh you had a ring and uh I think I was there I, I set up a couple lights or something. And, and uh I remember watching the guys uh literally rehearse. Because uh, I, I think it's it's like a choreography, right? Yeah, that's it. Everything is everything is planned ahead of time. I mean, it's it's a it's a hard sport on your body. The falls are real. A lot of the hits are real, but everything is predetermined, and uh, it's it's like it's 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 like uh, it's like theater almost. You know, you're in there and you're acting, but it's very very physical. So it's uh, it, it's almost harder than like. MMA, like MMA, the training is much, much harder. And of course, the injuries are there's a big at risk to injuries. But like pro wrestling is you take the beating you take in MMA, but you're not trying to beat the guy up. You're trying to remember what comes next. Hmm. So that, that's the hard, and you're trying to, you know, stay on the same uh, uh, rhythm as the guy you're facing. You know, it's like you got to develop a rhythm in there. So it's, uh, it's a pretty hard, uh, it's a pretty hard business to learn. But, uh, yeah, it's it is what it is. It's, you know, a lot of people ask me about it. I, sometimes I just forget how how unique it is to people because I've been doing it for so long. To me, it's like a real world, you know. So it's uh, well, when we when when we have music festivals and we bring people like guests, like sponsors, like the Heavy Montreal and stuff like that, and they come in the back and they you know to artists' world or the VIP sections and everything like that. We're so used to it. That's that's everyday life for us. Whereas other people, they're like, oh, my God, this is so insane. This is this. So it's kind of the same thing. Like with wrestling, it's, it's a unique thing to people. But for uh, for me, it's like it's been my job my whole life. So, you know, it's, you know, I say stuff that, that other people are like, well, you know, uh, how, how have you not gotten hurt? It's my job not to get hurt. You know, it's, <laughs> I tell people, you know, 
it, it really, really is. So, yeah, that's it's the way it's the way it's been. It's the way it's always been. What you were saying before, I mean, it's hard for you to be backstage on the ring and uh, at the Regie at the same time. And now, so you're aiming uh, going forward to be full time at the Regie. Yeah, that's what I want to do. I, I want to be at the Regie. I want to supervise our because I mean, there's it is a live event, and like you know, uh, currently, uh, I mean, currently the, the tech team that we use it at MTELUS, the, the guys that are there, the in-house team are the best guys I've ever used in 22 years. Like they really know their shit. They're really, really good. So I'm happy with them. And our television team has been with us since they were students going to school to learn how to operate this stuff, you know, so I don't have to worry about them. But the thing is, is it is a live event and it is pro wrestling. It is, it is a, it's a sport that's pretty dangerous. So things, you know, things change, things do go wrong and they need someone there to, they need someone there to make a decision or to change something, or if there's a fuck up, you know, and it's much easier than screaming from a clear calm backstage, you yeah. know, plus, plus we, it's easier being there because we use like house techs have their clear comms. They have their wired clear comms. Whereas our television crew have three cameramen on three different cameras, uh, their DT who runs around if there's a problem and fixes it. And the DOP who's, who's switching live, they're on wireless clear comms, which I bought. So it's like I would need two clear, two sets of clear comms just to communicate with people. So it's just much better being there. I could tell somebody something literally, and they will send the message out. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been to that before. Uh, well, actually, even as a light operator, I've had yeah. two clear comms on my head uh, many times, many times because you want to hear the camera crew and you want to hear the you know the the stage uh, manager. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a bit complicated to be able to talk to everybody that I understand. Yeah. It's, very, it's very, very difficult. And, you know, as a lighting operator, of course, you know that, you know, uh, sometimes what the, you know, the stage manager wants the people in the, in the crowd to see and what the cameramen want to see on their cameras are two very different things. So it becomes, uh, it, be, it becomes quite a pain in the ass. So. Yeah, it is. It is. Believe me, especially yeah for TV shows, it's it's very difficult because you're you're you know most of the time when cameras are there, you're not doing a show for the crowd anymore. Um, if you're doing it in a studio and it's a small crowd, not the end of the world. But if you're doing it on a live event where there's like thousands of people that pay to come and see the show, and and you have to compromise the effect and, and, and the wowness of the show because you need key lighting and you need this and that and you can't saturate the reds and whatever. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough decision at some point. Yeah. And uh, we're fortunate because, I mean, once the matches happen, you know, we're not using any effects lighting. We're, we're lighting the ring. Yeah. And it, yeah. what the people want to see is what the camera wants to see. So that's good. But like, you know, Sometimes I mean, some, it takes one. It takes one fuck up. One guy to not know what he's doing or not notice something, and, and then you got you got problems, you know. And uh, also, like it, a lot of times, it's I like to stick with the same venues because I know what they have in house. But you know, like a lot of times, like we ran an event, uh, a TV taping. It was a, it was an event at a, at a venue, and it was a TV taping, and they didn't use par 64s anymore they used leds but they used old shitty leds mm -hmm. which flicker on camera so you know like and they're like we'll switch your camera to pal i'm like 
that's not the solution, you know? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> uh, that's not the solution. Get get real equipment, you know? Or, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's really ridiculous that, that, you know, like, you know, a place like MTELUS, which is where we have our best lit shows, and we're still using PAR 64, you know, just, it, it, it's crazy. And hopefully one day there's stuff that can duplicate that. Well, there is. Yeah. There is. There is, but it's pricey. Though. It is. Yeah, exactly. It, it is. I mean, we're, we, we do have the technology now to, um, I say to, uh, well, not, not exactly copy, but we can regenerate the quality of light, the warmness, the uh, uh, even the uh, when you turn it on, turn it off, those those delays you have, the redshift when you're dimming down, all that stuff. Uh, that's all accessible. We do have the technology. Um, there there's still a few things that that remain LED. Uh, like you, with LED, you don't have those hot spots. You don't have those uh, those beam shapes and all that. You can fake it up to a certain point, but you know at at this level you you ask yourself can we just learn to work with this new technology and and not have to try always and go back to our old ways as long as the quality of light is there yeah that's it like i i saw it was it was actually hilarious i i when i saw archie at lsm we were doing a television taping uh, last september so not not the september of the past the september just before i had gotten permission from santé public to uh, put my guys into pods of four and uh, have them do a television taping without a crowd. So we had a live event without a crowd and we shot for two days. We shot like uh, four months worth of television. So when I went to, uh, to make a layout with Archie at LSM, uh, he was laughing when I got to his office and he's like, uh, I have to show you something in the back. And he's like, what? I'm like, I'm like, he's like, oh, he's like, uh, you're going to laugh. I'm like, oh. So I go to the back. And there's literally a trade show going on just for us of all the reps from the different lighting companies. Most of it was Chauvet because there's no gigs going on. So I was the only guy having an event. So all these guys are there. And, I'm looking at them. and Archie's laughing because I worked at Jam Industries when I was a kid. So all the reps from what Ericsson Pro are there and Daryl is there. And they're like, they're like, let me show you our new LED strobe light. And let me show you our new moving head. And you're shooting television now. Congratulations. And I'm laughing. I'm like, you know, man, I saw you guys at a trade show two years ago and you won't even look at me. And now <laughs> you know, I'm like, look at how the world is just so amusing. And Archie's in the back laughing his fucking head off, you know, because because I've known him for 20 years. And you, but I mean, that's uh, that, that's that, that that's the business we're in now. You know, the business took a beating and it. It's a shame that we were so close with LED, like to make it like the industry standard for everything. It moved into our moving heads and everything like that. And then for the last two fucking years, it's kind of like they stopped focusing on improving the LED beams and they, they, they started focusing more on making the moving heads quieter because of television. Mm. And I'm like, ah, you know, like, you know, now this is going to end and no one's going to care about having quiet moving heads. You know, it, it's, it's, it's just a shame. But like I said, that's, you know, that's the world we're in. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta adapt and make money. Yeah, exactly. There's a whole bunch of uh, whirl around that's been happening. I mean, companies have been trying to adapt and trying to put out product that that'll sell now. 
since there's no big shows going on, so you know the, all this uh, all this uh, huge stuff that that was selling like crazy because those fancy designers want the latest technology and they want the latest effect. So they were putting out these fantastic uh, uh, fixtures that can do wonders, and all of a sudden nobody's buying those anymore. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's at the very beginning of the pandemic. Uh, one of the places where we have our shows is Unity, the club in the village. We 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 turned it into a live show, so it's a nightclub, but it's also a live show bar. Uh, I know I know the owner very well, so we did a lot of tech work there. And uh, right when the pandemic hit. I mean, everybody was getting rid of gear. We got this massive bargain on 100 uh, Chauvet legends that mm -hmm. were coming back from the Mary May tour. So in this small nightclub where I usually have 300 people at our shows, three to 400 people, we installed 100 Chauvet legends. So you can only imagine how insane it was. Like insane. And, you know, the poor owner, and it was, it was turning into a live event bar, so he bought two Midas M32s, one for monitors, one for... And I mean, this poor guy got to open for a month. You know, he got to open uh, like a, a month and a half. With it to, people were allowed to dance for a month and a half in the last two years. And I'm just looking and I'm like, you know, this, this multi-million dollar investment that is just up in smoke again, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I understand. Like, like you said, they're trying to adapt and everything like that to, to make money and everything. But man, it's, it's, it's a shame because... We're missing out on so much. I hope it's over. It, it, it'll be, I mean, the one good thing is if this ends in March, once festival season hits, everybody's going to have an amazing time. You know, they're going to have a, they're going to have a really, really, really good time. Especially if they remove, like, I don't know if you went to Oshiega or Il Sinek last summer. No, no, I, I didn't go anywhere last summer, actually. <laughs> I, I was, I worked both events, so uh i was able to see the shows and uh uh ironically so like yeah i worked at oshiega and uh and ilsa nick it was kind of ironic because i was allowed on site and i could tech i could be anywhere on site as a worker without being vaccinated i am vaccinated but just the rules like not being vaccinated yet you know if i wanted to watch the concert be there as a fan you know and stand next to myself I needed to be back. Like it was just the rules were just ridiculous, and the way it was all set up, it set up these pens. So basically, they were just sections of like two hundred people, and then a section that's empty that holds two hundred people, and it, it literally looked like a farm, like a cattle ranch. <laughs> so I'm hoping that's all. That all ends. You know, uh, you know, Omicron is not as serious as people thought it was. You know, I think uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people made a lot of money on this. Now they're realizing, you know, it's time to, you know, before we end up with a bankrupted society, it's time to, uh, it's time to open back up. So, you know, especially right now when there's no options for help, at least at the beginning, there was options for help. Now there's nothing if you're a business owner. So, well, that's, uh, that, that's a big concern of mine because they shut everything down, but all those people that were, uh, you know, that were getting help, uh, what are they doing now? What's going on? I mean, all my friends that, are lucky enough to work in the States. Uh, they say uh, they're working like crazy because things, you know, it's business as usual in the States. Yeah, half, my talent is, half my talent is working in the States. They're, they're, all, they're all down there. And, uh, you know, there, there is no help. It's really, it's, it's a sad thing. You know, uh, at the beginning, there was plans in place, but now it's, it's kind of like because the plans were federal, 
the rest of Canada is basically open. Only Quebec is closed. And uh, so like the federal government, like, you know, Quebec, it just closes down with no plan in place. Uh, you know, right before, like a lot of places, right before New Year's, they lost a lot of money that they invested, you know, on New Year's suppers. And, and I mean, uh, it, they're, they're, there's zero plan in place. There's zero plan in place. Nobody's getting any money yet. You know, maybe, you know, you would think that the government would understand certain things, but I mean, just in terms of a venue, you know, all the draft beer, uh, uh, all everything you supply your place with because you have concerts coming, which is how you earn your income. Uh, you know, it's, you know, MTELUS or Club Soda or Olympia doesn't survive on the $1,500 they charge you for rent. You know, they survive on their beer sales and their liquor sales and all that stuff goes bad. You know, it, it, you can't just leave it sitting in a building for months and months. It goes bad. It doesn't last. Then, you know, you got, you know, your electricity bills for these massive buildings. You know, you need staff there sometimes to, to keep an eye on the place. You need security because you have millions of dollars worth of equipment. You need to heat it because you can't let it your gear free. You know, and it's like, you know, these poor people are stuck there and they're, uh, they're letting their bills pile up, you know, and it's going to take them a year to get out of the hole. You know, and it's, it's a real, real shame because there's no support. There's no help. And just like you said, techs, they're, you know, all the best techs are in the States. They're, they're working in the States nonstop. Guys that work here at venues here that are open are getting paid double to, to fly and getting flown in, to, you know, to Dallas, to here, to there, to, to work because there's so much going on now that the U.S. Open. They need staff. It's, a, it's incredible. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's going to be a, a, a big pain. I mean, even when start uh, things start to open up again, that's going to be a big pain because there's going to be a, a huge um, staff problem. Like like the first time when, when the restaurants reopened, you know, uh, we were all very anxious to go back to the restaurant. And, uh, and and I was told, you know, people I was going to the restaurant with, I was told them we're going to have to be patient because uh, a lot of restaurants have new staff and, and yeah. a lot of them don't necessarily have all the stuff they had before. I mean, it's all... Uh, it, it's, it's, like, it's like everybody has, has a new restaurant now. It's like they're starting over. Yeah, so. I, you know, a lot of people don't understand. Like, it's gotten very expensive to eat out now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, t- I tell everyone all the time that, like, for example, Uber Eats... You know, try not to use it because they are ripping off restaurants. They're making a fortune. They're just like Amazon. They're profiting off this pandemic. It's unreal. You know, either go pick it up or, del- or if they have delivery, you order for the delivery. So at least the restaurant makes all the money. And don't complain because, yeah, they're, you know, prices have gone up, but prices have gone up everywhere. And I mean, it's, it's the same with groceries. It's the same with, you know, the cost of living has gone up and it's, it's only going to get worse once this is over because, you know, once this is over, all the money, the government's the federal and provincial government is shelled out. They're going to want it back, you know, and we're going to be the ones paying for it. You know, we're going to be paying for this for years. Our kids are going to be paying for this. So it's a real shame, you know, and the worst is like today, Boris Johnson, the UK was one of the worst COVID spots in the world mm-hmm. and they removed all the restrictions today, you know, and, for some reason, we're, I don't know, we're, just, we're, we're the strictest COVID rules in the world, and apparently we're the worst. So I don't, I don't get it. 
know, that's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. It's <laughs> a whole other uh, conversation that we could go on forever. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm out of questions, man. I mean, <laughs> Good, I'm, uh, I'm hungry, so it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Timing is great, right? <laughs> yeah. Good, uh, good 45 minutes. It's perfect. So, uh, yeah, uh, I had fun and, uh, I'd love to do this again once shows are back, you know, when we're both really, really busy and we're both really, really happy. You know? Yeah. Perfect. Thanks, Claude. Thank care, you eh? so much. It's, it's been a pleasure and uh, we'll talk soon, Manny. Talk soon. Thank you very much. Bro. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. The Backstage Cowboys podcast is brought to you by AVL Media Group and Avolites, who make the best lighting consoles in the world. If you live in Canada, you now have access to the Avolites Academy online learning platform. The cost is $229, and that includes an editor Avo key delivered directly to your door. Head on over to BackstageCowboys.com and click on the Avolites Academy logo to get all the details.